This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c The rewards we seek are not always what's good for us. You know, a famous example would be if a person smokes and they think, oh, I'll feel great as soon as I get a cigarette, right? So we seek rewards with the neural pathways built from our past rewards. So our challenge in life is just to find our power to build new neural pathways. And our challenge as parents is to reward the behavior you want rather than the behavior you don't want so that you build a pathway that turns on that behavior more easily. Hello, and welcome back to the Peds Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that continues to grow because of you and your reviews. So thank you so much for tuning in for another great conversation. It's a podcast where I get to welcome the most amazing guests to chat about all things parenting, child health, child development, and parental mental health. And today's guest on the show is Loretta Bruning, who is a PhD, founder of the Inner Mammal Institute and Professor Amarata of Management at California State University, East Bay. And she's the author of many personal developmental books, including Habits of a Happy Brain, Retrain Your Brain to Boost Your Serotonin, Dopamine, Oxytocin, and Endorphin Levels. And we're talking about rewards and threats, how they shape a young brain. Thank you so much, Loretta. It's so nice to have you on the show today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Well, tell us more about yourself if people are not familiar with the work that you do and also your book. Sure. So I was a college professor for 25 years and I had sort of learned the social science worldview, which sort of suggests that children are born happy and good and we should just let them do whatever they want. And I sort of lived that way for few decades, and I noticed that it didn't work. So then I went back and did my own research and noticed the animal brain has the same chemicals that we have. People often talk about dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, Mm -hmm. and endorphin. Animals have these chemicals, and animals actually bite a lot. And was amazing to see all the animal behavior studies of how animals seek social dominance and why they have conflict. And suddenly I understood why people have difficulty and how we can train ourselves to manage these chemicals. That's wonderful. And I know we could go take a deep dive into all of these chemicals, but we're going to be chatting about rewards and threats and how they shape the young brain. So let's talk about rewards and maybe utilizing some of that research that you know. Um, How do rewards impact and shape the young brain and how can parents utilize that in their parenting? 
Sure. So a reward is anything that meets a need from your brain's perspective. So dopamine is known as the reward chemical. Mm -hmm. And in daily life, like when you get something that you wanted, it's like, wow, how exciting. Like if you're playing cards and you draw the card that you wanted and you feel good, wow, I got it. Mm -hmm. So that's a little burst of dopamine. And we want that all the time. So if you could imagine from a toddler perspective, I'm fascinated when my little grandson walks into a room with tons of toys and he's interested in the toy in the other child's hand. And when they see that toy, it's like they want it. So they they anticipate like, I'm going to feel good when I get that. And so the rewards we seek are not always what's good for us. You know, a famous example would be if a person smokes and they think, oh, I'll feel great as soon as I get a cigarette, right? So we seek rewards with the neural pathways built from our past rewards. So our challenge in life is just to find our power to build new neural pathways. And our challenge as parents is to reward the behavior you want Mm -hmm. rather than the behavior you don't want so that you build a pathway that turns on that behavior more easily. Wonderful. And going in line with threats, how can threats impact the young brain? Sure. So a threat from the brain's perspective is just anything that gets in the way of meeting your needs. So I'm obviously not saying to threaten your children, but like the fear of like, they won't play with me if I kick them. So I better not kick them because they won't play with me. So that would be, you know, it's often called natural consequences, but the brain learns from threats. So if someone doesn't play with you, if you do a certain thing, then that's a threat and you want to avoid that. So parents in the past have obviously used lots of threats and not always been successful. But I think partly that's because we don't understand that on some level, we're actually rewarding the behavior we don't want unconsciously because to a young brain, anytime they get attention, that's a reward. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest missteps. I don't want to say mistakes, but one of the biggest missteps I see is what you're describing is how parents sometimes maybe purposely reward the behavior or maybe inadvertently reward behaviors that are not desired behaviors. So can you give some examples of when parents may end up inadvertently or realizing it rewarding non-preferred behaviors? Sure. So a simple example would be if you're at the dinner table and one child says something mean, and then the whole conversation revolves around them. Mm-hmm. So they learn it's like, wow, when I say something mean, I get to be like in charge of this yes. whole family. So who wouldn't want that? So another example would be refusing to eat. Then the whole life revolves around getting you to eat. Mm, these are very important ones. And in terms of like, you know, one example that I think modern parents can kind of relate to is um, screaming and yelling. And then we just say they want their screen time or want like a, a TV on and then they scream and yell and we end up giving into that and say, hey, you can have more screen time where basically they're realizing that, you know what, I was able to scream and yell and this yeah. worked and I'll just raise my volume a little louder next time. And this is what, how we communicate. And this is what gets to my parents. And so I think all these little, but very impactful things are so important for parents to hear. And your examples are wonderful. 
Thank you. And you know what? I didn't know any of this when I was raising my kids mm. and I was very shocked to learn this afterwards. And what they've learned from animals is, and this is so hard to do, but if someone screams and cries, like you said, and you resist and you resist, and then you finally give in, then that trains the behavior in even stronger. And there's all kinds of animal studies. And also it's the famous other example with adults is gambling. So if you gamble at a slot machine, let's say, and you lose and you lose and you lose and then you win, then it's like, oh, it's called variable reinforcement. When you don't get the reward all the time, but you only get it some of the time, then you want to do it even more. And then the other thing is that you ramp up to the big, you know, like I'm going to start screaming immediately yeah. at the highest volume. Oh, I, you know, I see this a lot. So parenting experts are people in child development across generations because we learn so much. You know, like you said, you didn't know this earlier on, but obviously you're very well versed in it now. And I have my in-laws or my parents come and I'll be talking to them about this. And they're like, well, when you were younger, we did this or, you know, just give it to him. He's crying. Just give it to him. And I'm like, mom, I want you to trust us. Or, you know, my mother-in-law will say that. And it's just so important for us to hear how things can evolve and how, you know, science evolves and our understanding, like you said, of how brain chemistry is obviously really important for us to know and how it can really impact parents is really an awesome thing. So I just love being able to chat about this with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's so hard because somehow there's this illusion that the older generation was stricter, but that was actually mm. two generations ago where, yeah. you know, where they said no to everything. And then I think my generation went to the other extreme of saying yes too easily. And I'm <laughs> glad that your generation is learning to moderate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, and um, I will also admit that so many of us are still learning about that, which is why I love the show and having guests like you on to understand that middle ground of Hey, we are loving parents. We are allowing compassion. We are being okay with the myriad of feelings, but we also understand boundaries and that there has to be some understanding of how you're describing how rewards work and how threatening is not helpful and how this impacts that growing moldable young brain that is so just soaking it all in all at once. Yes. And also, again, that if you get into a big argument about mm -hmm. something, that a child could perceive that as a reward, mm. even though you don't like that, or maybe on some level, you perceive it as a reward, too, because when you fight with the child, maybe they're keeping you company and otherwise they're just leaving the house. So you have to really look underneath. But what we know from animals is so first animals have a lot of conflict, as I said, and they actually seek the one up position. They try to dominate the animal next to them. Mm -hmm. So when your child is born, like I know you think like they're so innocent and your pet is so innocent. But in fact, if you leave them to their own devices, they try to expand their own power. So that's one thing. The other thing is animals seek a herd. So this herd behavior is a natural impulse. But as they get older, they transition from the herd being your parents to the herd being your peers. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they have sort of life and death feelings about running with the herd, because that's a natural mammalian impulse. Oh, I love how you connect it to animal behavior and obviously what we know about that. That is so important to hear. And I want to talk about, we've always talked about how rewards and threats can impact the young brain, which I completely agree with and resonate with. How can a parent help their child build 
healthy reward pathways? You know, I know you gave some examples, but is there anything else you'd want to add and make sure people really take home from that conversation that we're having? Sure. So a neural pathway is built from repetition. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to build it all at once. And you're always competing with the whole reward structure that they've already experienced in life. So focus on one thing at a time. So let's say you want your child to build a new pathway to do a certain thing. Let's say to do their homework before they watch television or something. So that's the focus. So you want to reward every behavior related to that and be sure not to reward them. Very carefully notice that you're not rewarding any other behaviors that interfere with it. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Artube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses.
So the first thing is to break a difficult new behavior into small steps. So if doing homework before screen time is a big departure from your usual, then make it five minutes of homework. You know, you come home, you do homework for five minutes, then you have milk and cookies, then you work for another 10 minutes, then you talk to your siblings, then Mm -hmm. you work for another 15 minutes, and then you get your screen time, for example. So you're breaking it down into small chunks, and you're using healthy rewards, and you're using the rewards that would have been there anyway, but you have to do the behavior to get the reward. And repetition builds a pathway so that that becomes normal. And also, you're doing this without discussion, pleading, arguing. It's just simply either you do it, you get the reward, you don't do it, you don't get the reward. And also kind of reiterating, when we start to plead, yell, or even just say, like plead, yell, bribe, all of that, that is negatively kind of impacting that reward pathway, right? Meaning they're not learning anything from it. They're just basically learning that this is what's going to happen. And I'm just going to, my parents going to yell and plead. And that's almost like negative attention in a way, right? Exactly. And that is a reward. So Mm -hmm. if that they may rather control you than get the milk and cookies. So by controlling you, by giving them your power, by giving them your 100% attention when they misbehave, you're rewarding them. And so then you have to say, okay, the reward is this, whatever you've decided the reward is, and make sure not to give them other rewards, which sometimes you have to just look the other way, get busy with something else. So you're not giving them your attention for the misbehavior. Yeah. And I think, you know, one concept in I don't like using this terminology, but I'm going to say current parenting. Let's not use modern parenting, but current 2023 parenting is what you just mentioned, that concept of not giving attention to that behavior, I think is absolutely valid. Some people say, oh, well, that's ignoring the child. And I want to really reiterate, you're not ignoring the child and their feelings. You're not driving attention to that undesired behavior. Yes, exactly. And this whole idea about their feelings, you know, their feelings are not necessarily from an authentic place or a good Mm -hmm. guide to life. If you study like chickens, pigs, you know, animals, they will steal all the food from the animals next to them, but unless the other animal is strong enough to bite them back. Mm -hmm. So this natural impulse is like, I want to control everything. It's all about me. So we have to learn to moderate that. I'll give you a fascinating example. When I go and visit my grandson, so my daughter has wisely put a lot of the toys in another cabinet. So she only has a few toys out at a time and then she rotates them. So the minute he sees me, he tries to get me to go to the toy cabinet (laughs) and open it up. And so I want to do that for him because I hardly ever see him because I'm so impressed. He can't really talk. You know, he's so little and yet he comes up with the Mm -hmm. words like and he's so excited. So I'm so excited to hear him talk. And so I've rewarded the bad behavior, but that's okay because I'm not there all the time. But then it gets worse. The minute he gets the toy, he doesn't want it. He just mm-hmm. moves on. So it was obvious that controlling me yeah. was the goal. Now, on the one hand, 
communication is good. He had an active communication and I rewarded it. Maybe once that's okay. But then after that, then I'm just becoming part of the problem. You know? Well, I love that you're bringing that up because I think a lot of my listeners that are tuning in today have in-laws and grandparents that that get it. They're coming in for just that short period. They're wanting to be that fun, like, or even just because they don't, like you said, they don't see them a lot. And then that kind of happens. And it's obvious when I see that, like when we have guests in our home and those guests are usually my parents or my in-laws, Ryan, my son, who's three at the time of this recording, he very much understands like, how am I going to, there's a new person in my house. Yes. And I'm going to use, I'm happy that you're using that word because it's not a negative. They're just very smart, right? They're learning like, Hmm, this is a new boundary setter in my house. They're not usually here. I want cookies. So what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to come up to them really cutely and tug on their shirt or tug on their leg. And I am just going to look with my big doll eyes and say, and Nani, Nani, Dida, cookies. And they give it. And then it's a, you know, you give a mouse a cookie and it's like literally cyclical. And then it's like, full-blown tantrums because of the fact that it was easy to kind of get that and there were no boundaries being set. So I think there's a balance here. Obviously, it's so important that we hear that because yeah, it's not bad. They're not like this evil manipulators, but they're just really, really smart at learning patterns and learning hmm, what is my voice or my tone of voice or my yelling going to get out of my caregiver, whether that's my mom, my dad, my grandma coming into the house. So I like to really recognize that children are smart, but we have to be smarter (laughs) as as caregivers. Yes, exactly. And again, it's we're supposed to put it only in the positive context. Oh, they're smart and everything. But that leads to thinking, you know, you have to respect their emotions and like it's all coming from a sincere place. But we have to know that the urge to power is just a natural impulse in the brain. And we have to learn to use it in healthy ways. Otherwise, you're hurting them more in the long run because nobody will want to play with them. They won't be able to tolerate workplace cooperation. So it's really a valuable skill that you're giving them by training them to manage that urge for power and delay getting what you want. Yeah. And I know the example you gave about the homework, right? Um, for that older child, school age child, but all of these things obviously go downstream into that, those toddler years when power struggles are really starting to show itself, you know, like that two-year-old, especially three-year-old, four-year-old. I, I talked to so many parents who are feeding into that power struggle, right? They're creating, like we said, that reward cycle of yelling back, pleading back, bribery back. And they're like, why isn't it changing? Why is they just keep doing this behavior? And I say, like you just said, you're rewarding them by giving them attention for that activity. But if you just kind of tell them, this is what's going to happen, take a step back. And almost sometimes I tell my families, don't say anything. Like if you're going to say and yell and plead and bribe, take that breath and just take a moment. And like you said, sometimes it means being in the same room, walking away and just saying, you can have your moment, but we're not going to get into this. I'm going to do this and you're going to do this and we're going to yell and da, 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 because that just escalates and escalates and rewards their brains. Like you mentioned. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so many people slide into that because that's how they grew up. So we have to create in our own mind, what's another scenario. So if you just go off and do something else, you might feel guilty about that. So let me give you another mental image so you could feel more positively about it. So your ancestors, maybe they had 10 kids and maybe they had to plant seeds and feed the cow. And if those seeds didn't get tended, they were going to starve the next year. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't tend the cow, they were going to not have any protein. So 
do you think those 10 kids got the kind of 100% catering to the manipulations that your kids are getting? No. Yeah. And this is why I think what you're bringing to this conversation is so important, because like I said, in this current parenting space, I do like to create a little balance here that there is a kind of reality that exists in a lot of parenting educators that, yes, you got to sit with them the entire time that they're having these big feelings. But we know that, and I agree with you, that it's not always going to happen. Or maybe, like you said, at the time of this recording, this episode may go live after I have my child, but I'm going to have now two children and I'm not going to be able every single moment my son is having some big feelings to sit with him, however long that tantrum is and caress his back. Sometimes I'm going to have to say, hey, Ryan, sweetie, you take your moment. I'm going to go feed the baby right here and then go like you're literally there. But I think there is this misconception that, oh, but I have to be there the entire time. And you bring up that, you know, evolutionary and that ancestor um, piece that those aren't bad parents. These are parents that I always say you have to triage your home. You got to see, well, at this point, who needs me the most, right? Like at this point, I can't be everywhere for everyone. And that's reasonable. But how am I going to let this child feel their feelings, move on, not again, create negative reward pathways of, okay, fine, here, take the cookie, take the screen, take this, take this. And it is that sort of big picture. And I love that you're bringing this conversation because I think it's needed in uh, a lot of what we're hearing in the parenting space right now. And I'm just being honest, I hear it a lot of, okay, well, you guys sit with them. And if you walk away, then that's ignoring. And that's, um, that's Um, not that they're going to feel like you don't believe them or hear them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We know from psychology that that's not what we're saying here. Your child still knows that you're the leader of their home and that you're, you love them, but you can't be in their face. 24-7, especially um, all the times they're having big feelings. And I love that we're having this conversation. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, which you mentioned, was about the repetition. I think a lot of times, you know, we're talking about parenting generations and things that we learn. I think we're learning so much in this modern 2023 parenting. One thing I will say is that because of things like Amazon, social media, parents do have this sort of instant gratification mindset that, okay, well, I do this and it's going to change. If I can order something and it comes to my door in a day, I can do this with my child and they'll change. But it repetition, I love that you brought up repetition earlier on in this conversation. It takes consistency and repetition over and over for us to rewire. It's not an overnight. I think a lot of parents have a misconception that, oh, well, I read online or I saw someone did this and their child listened. No, they probably listened after 20, 30, 40 times of that parent being super consistent with that. So I love to normalize that because I feel like many times I hear it from my families in my office that it's not working. And then I say, well, have you been consistent? They're like, well, sometimes I do this. Sometimes I do that. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. And then I'm like, have you been repetitious about it? They're like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to respect the human brain and understanding that repetition matters. So thanks for bringing up that repetition comment. Sure, absolutely. So three things build neural pathways, Mm -hmm. repetition, emotion, and youth. So I'll explain them. Youth, so we have a lot of myelin when we're young and that builds the biggest neural pathways. So once your kid's myelin years are over, they're not going to be building the major highways of the brain. So they're going to face adult life with the neural pathways they're building now. The second thing is emotion. So these chemicals of emotion, you could think that they're like paving on a neural pathway. So if somebody gets 
has a tantrum and gets a reward, that reward is a good feeling. Like, yes, I did it. Mm -hmm. And that paves a neural pathway. So when you want to build a new neural pathway, you're already competing with a very large pathway paved by past rewards. So that's why it takes so much repetition to compete with that. Oh, that's so well said. And I have really enjoyed this conversation, not only for just talking about rewards and threats and all the brain chemistry behind it, but also connecting, like I mentioned already, the parenting experience across decades. I think it's so important for everyone to hear. And I oftentimes feel like sometimes we feel that older generations of parenting, oh, they don't understand. They didn't do anything right. I'm like, there's so much that we can take from all different levels, right? Like we talked about. And I think this is so important to kind of bring it back to brain chemistry and rewards and threats and really building on that behavior that we want. Is there a final message for everyone listening today that you'd like to share? Hmm. Well, I have a parenting page on my website mm -hmm. with lots and lots of resources. It's innermammalinstitute.org slash parents, teachers, all one word, parents, teachers. And in addition to a variety of books and podcasts like this, I even have some resources that are written for children that are very simple. And I have like even a two minute animation that explains how your brain works and repetition and things like that. So it could be really helpful and especially for somewhat older children that they can really get excited about managing their own brain. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this was a great conversation. And for everyone listening, if you love this episode, make sure you leave a review and a rating and also share it on social media channels or share it with a friend. I just, again, love having these conversations about parenting and with Loretta as well. And I cannot wait to talk to another guest next time. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.